I am unashamed. What about you? Well, so we so we've got um, we've got history here. We are making today unashamed history. We have never had a totally outnumbered to, to folks uh, uh, to uh, have a popular Fox show. Uh, we have an outnumbered unashamed podcast today because it is so. I am the sole male. I feel like a pond of estrogen. No, a pond of testosterone in a lake of estrogen. That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. And That's ocean. too many words ocean. and too many big words. Yeah, can you can you repeat what I just said? <laughs> <laughs> I would butcher that to pieces. So we have obviously Miss Kay, an unashamed favorite uh, that they always love to have you on here. Uh, we have Lisa, another uh, returning guest. And we have a brand new guest for the first time. Our youngest daughter, Alex, joins Unashamed. So welcome, Alex. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Alex said she started out listening to the podcast and loved it. She said, except for some of Papa Phil's misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, he's kind of got a way of saying things. You'd it's, think I'd be used to it after all these years, <laughs> yeah, but it yeah. still shocks sometimes. So I get emails all the time uh, asking about, because we talk about our family so much, but so the, you know, obviously people that watch the show know some, but they're like the current, you know, because we're always telling these current stories. And so I'm always getting all the time, you know, I'd love to have see, meet BK. I'd love to meet this one. By the way, BK does make some appearances on the Duck Call Room uh, podcast. I hear. I've never seen it, so I, I don't know. But we actually have, so we have three generations of Robertson women seated at the table, which is exciting. That's never been done on the podcast. That's right. And we actually have four generations in the room because Carly, uh, who's Jay and Anna's daughter, is is here observing uh, from the side. So it's pretty cool um, that four generations of Robertson women uh, here today. I mean, how does that make oh, you feel? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. The women are the best. <laughs> and I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Uh, so we sent uh, Jason Dad out on some uh, on a mission to to come up with some good stories. So we'll see how that works for tomorrow. Probably some good lunch. Yeah, maybe some good yeah. lunch. That's exactly right. So so talk a little bit, Mom, about we're going to talk about your book because uh, you got a new book, which is one of the reasons you guys are on the podcast, and so you guys are all you know a part of that. We've mentioned it, but it's about time to release. But before we get there. I wanted you to talk a little bit about, I want to hear everybody's perspective on sort of the generational idea of, of being a Robertson. I mean, obviously, Mom, you're the matriarch of our family, and we grew up a certain way. Uh-huh. And now, just sitting here, we've got three, I mean, we're talking about the span of, you know, Alex being in her 30s, you're in your mid-70s. <clears throat> so how have you viewed the idea of your family growing and spreading out and i mean you know what's your kind of well you remember as a little boy down there when granny and paul lived beside us which is phil's mom and dad for like 15 or 20 years wasn't it Mm -hmm. that they lived down there and i think that because y'all were so used to having them there and then our family and then our family's children it was just to me it's easy right because of that growing up. And, you know, I'd go down there and watch Granny cook something. I would, uh, I mean, y'all would go down there and play dominoes every day with them, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think that's how my kids learned how to be good in math at first and know how to add and all that. Because, I mean, Alan was, a, you know, four years old, just slapping those dominoes, 10, <laughs> 20. He still does it yeah. <laughs> whenever he plays dominoes. Yeah, we still. And just bang, bang, bang. Now my grandkids marvel at it when they're over there just to watch the spectacle of us playing dominoes. Uh-huh. And, that's how and it learn. never changes. Mm. You got to watch that table, though, don't you, babe? Yeah. You'll break a finger. You do. Get that mic a little close to you, man. <laughs> well, you and, you know, Cy playing, that's hilarious, too, you know, hearing him and all that. But that is just, it's just been such a tradition to me yeah because uh, <clears throat> phil and i met at 14 um you know we've really never been apart and so his family became so much my family since my daddy passed away and all at four when i was 14 right. and so it's just like to me i just love the families going together and you know we i learned from her <clears throat> she helped me i helped her and it was just really good. And now I feel that way about um, 
I mean, I just think it's wonderful that we're here. And hopefully when Jeff gets home, we'll all be here. Yeah. Well, and that's the, the, the kind of the what we kind of call our setup now because we have Alex and her family on one side of where we live and and her family on the other side. And literally you're within a couple hundred yards of where Lisa and I, you know, have our setup. And so we call it the compound. We have a group text called the compound. But mom's right, it actually started with the compound that was down here all those years ago. And the same thing. And so the benefits that I look back and see is that all the time that Jace and I were able to spend, when I talk with my cousins, they have a completely different experience and view of my grandparent of granny and paul and it was because they just didn't spend time with them and so it was minimal it was holidays and, and i look i realize there's a lot of people out there listening that because of where you are your kids are spread out across the country and you just you don't have that you know luxury or ability to be able to do that but if you do uh it really is a blessing I, i'd say babe and, and you and i we so our for, we started out literally in granny and paul's house mm-hmm. we lived in the front bedroom for the first few weeks or months of our marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, you know, we've, you've experienced firsthand all of our married life. So what, what's your take on it, on, on compound living? What do you think about it? Well, I love it, but, um, you know, sometimes if you're sleeping in the same house, it's not so good. <laughs> uh, when you're newlyweds, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, that wasn't even, that wasn't even the worst of it. <laughs> the worst of it is Granny and Paul, they both snored. So... You'd get a, and then a, it was like it was like a little sing song that went on, and your mom and I would get so tickled yeah. listening to it. It was literally our <laughs> nightly entertainment. And weren't they heavy smokers too? Yeah, in the house. Yeah, and we would be afraid because they wouldn't, um, like it would go a little while, you know, while they were um, sleeping. And they wouldn't be snoring, so we were like, "Do we need to check on them? Like, are they still alive?" Yeah, that was you the know? worst thing. Is be like, all of a sudden it stopped. And you're like, "Wait a minute, did somebody just die?" <laughs> yeah. And then if you just give it a beat, and then it's like, and then we're off and running. Yeah, again. that's right. It was like a dog like chasing a, a cat. Yeah. It's kind of the Jake thing. breaking mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. But I really did like it, and I'll tell you this: even for us, last night um, our grandkids were at our house, and. Um, Instead of playing dominoes, we were playing Uno. Yeah, Lisa's really good about playing so, games with the you know, kids. They, they gather around, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then they try, some of them try to make up their own rules, Oh, you know. <laughs> well, and they cheat. That's yeah. what I watch them cheating. Yeah. I was like, you little cheaters. Doc <laughs> told me last night, he said, he said, everybody always cheats whenever I play with them. And I said, Doc, I have never cheated Whenever you have played with me, well, my mom and dad do. I said I don't believe. That. I do not cheat against a four-year-old. Give me a I said, break. I don't believe that. He said. He said. Well, Bailey Kay does. I said. I don't think she does. I think you just don't understand the rules. And he said. Well, Sage always does, and Sage Corbin does. always cheats. You know, that sounds me. about oh, because, right. Corbin well, does. Corbin too. is so competitive; he can't stand to lose, which right. is very Robert. Exactly by right. The way. That's, yeah. But you know, as Doc said, one of the funniest Doc's four. And they were playing a video game. He's five. I got that confused. Yeah, he's five. That's right. He'll be six, six. on Zoom. He's almost six. Pearl is four. Yeah. four. So, so Doc, well, so I'm glad you did it and not me. I feel better. <laughs> so, so Doc was, he was playing this game and said, one of them kept kneeling. What are you playing? What are you playing? He said, I can't read. I don't know what I'm playing. Which <laughs> was pretty funny because yeah. he was like, give me a break. I can't even read you. <laughs> Which I thought was good. And Pearl will say, ma'am, I'll just sit in your lap and be your coach. Yeah, she wants to be the coach. She don't want to put any skin in the game. She just <laughs> she wants to coach. coach. So, so, babe, it, it wasn't, I would say, our, and we've talked a little bit about this on past podcasts, but it wasn't easy at the beginning. When we were in the compound, I mean, we struggled some yeah. because I had such a close relationship with mom and dad. I, we, I didn't always include you in that, you know, which was looking back was a big mistake from our marriage perspective. But you had a, you know, you, it was easy for you to learn how to be rude sometime from uh, the it was. older men. And but I was, I was also just super independent. I'd had an independent spirit since mm-hmm. I was a kid, and we right. we discussed why. And, and I was very immature. Yeah. So, I mean, well, you're very dependent. So, and you always have, but especially still am when we first got married. And so, you you just need attention. 
She did, and I should have given it. I yeah. should have given her or included her in what we were doing. It's just looking back on it, you know, you're just young and immature. So you didn't think about it. We didn't. Yeah. And so what I what happened was I created conflict a lot between she and I, but even some between her and you and dad, because you know it was a compound living, but it wasn't done in the right vein. You know, there's a lot of maturity mm-hmm. now, so it's a lot different. So I was just thinking about that because a lot of times I'll, I'll tell people how we're living, and they'll say, "Whoa." I couldn't live next door to my mom or oh, I couldn't live next door to my kids. You know, I yeah. wouldn't want to be. And I'm like, I get it. I mean, you know, it, it does take work. It takes, you know, because everybody's different. You know, But it was tough even for Kay because uh, Kay would leave home and Granny would, you know, before she left, she wanted to know where she was going and when she was coming back. Mm. And if she was not there whenever she thought she should be back, then Granny's wondering, where are you at? You know, where's Kay? Why'd she's been do? gone to town all day long. No, she, here's the way she said, oh, Kay's up gallivanting around town again. Oh, <laughs> that gallivanting. So, a trip to town turns into a gallivanting. Gallivanting. And it was said in the worst way. You know? Gallivanting all I mean, the- like I didn't need time alone. <laughs> yeah. We had four boys, right? And Phil. And Dad. And then Granny and Paul. And Paul. <laughs> Paul did nothing. Like six toddlers. Granny. <laughs> So, so mom, so uh, what would you, what do you tell people when, when we say, we need to get dad to go on vacation with us? What do you always say when we say that? I don't want to run vacation. <laughs> I want to have fun. Yeah. Because dad hates to travel. He hates at the beach. We've he would want me in that uh, house we have cooking for him, tending to him, waiting on him. Well, he never walked out the door, right? He never walked out the door, and I would lose all my fun. It's funny yeah. because on the Hawaii episode we did, the running joke on the on the actual episode was Dad wouldn't leave the room. But in in true reality, Dad would never leave the room. Right. So it, was, it yeah. was we were filming it because it was really happening that He's way. He's got too much hair to be out in the sand, I think. <laughs> well, That's what he says. That would yeah. probably yeah. be uncomfortable. But he would ruin all our fun. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we have... sand in every crack and crevice. No, every every orifice. <laughs> orifice is the way he puts it. So, so uh, what about you, Rube? What's oh, your? We have always been a clannish type of family. I mean, we were in business together. Other members of the family do business together. It's not. I mean, we of course we all have friends and stuff, but we are very much a stick together, tight knit type of family. And we all, I mean, we have our little compound with, you know, our houses a stone's throw from each other. And then in the larger compound is all the brothers and mm-hmm. in-laws and lifelong friends. And I think I counted one day, it's in our neighborhood, there are 16 homes that are people we are related to, married into, or really, really close to. It just or go to church with. Or go to yeah. church with. Yeah. Which, All which in our one neighborhood. Which family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take our first break. So, Dad, uh, when you hear the word dwell, what, what do you think of the word dwell? The word dwell? Yeah. Uh, it's beep, 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 no compute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Well, <laughs> when I hear the word dwell... I think about a new Bible app uh, that's been inspired by the psalmist command that we must hide the word of God in our hearts. Whoa, that's a good thing. To dwell in your hearts, which is really good. This, uh, this company, Dwell, has built a beautiful listening and reading experience for the scriptures. They've got over a dozen recordings of the Bible. They've handpicked voices that will engage and inspire, which is always good. And they've got all the best versions. You've got ESV, NIV, KJV, NLT, The Message, and some others. And they've also got a read-along experience, which I think is pretty cool. So you can read along with it. Got bold text for you to be able to see. So it's time to dwell in the Word of God. To get started with dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash unashamed to get 10% off a yearly subscription and 33% off a dwell for life. That's 33% off, which means you save 50 bucks. So make sure to visit dwellapp.io slash unashamed and commit to scripture for the rest of this year and for life. That's excellent definition of dwell. There you go. That'd help me out. Better than boop, 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 boop. Yep. So yesterday was evidence of that. So every year at Easter... 
Johnny and Chris, who are Corey's parents, which lives next door to us, they host the big Easter extravaganza for really Corey's side of the family and, and part of ours, I guess, everybody that lives there. And it was just, I don't know what you call it. I was just, I was, I, could, I walked outside a couple of, I was working on podcasts, but I walked outside and saw it because mm-hmm. we adjoin yards and just kid chaos is the only way I can describe it. But, but, but fun, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. they, well, and I commented on it to a couple of people yesterday because they've been doing that for a long time, mm-hmm. like Years. decades, I think, that they have been doing that every Easter Sunday. And it's yeah, a they pot, were doing that way luck. before we all moved in the neighborhood. Right. right. So it's potluck, and then they do a big Easter egg hunt for all the kids, and the older kids hide them, the younger kids go find them. But every year, no matter how much time passes, there's always the same amount of adults and kids. Like they just grow up and then have more kids, and then there's a bunch more kids. Like there's never any less kids. Right. Or any more older people. It just, it's weird. It stays the same. It's like the twilight zone. It is. And and for Chris and, and John, especially now it's the great grandkids, but it's mm-hmm. just, the, the thing keeps going. And, oh, I mean, there's like 30 of them yesterday. So they have some money eggs and, you know, some, some candy and eggs. And so everybody's looking for the prizes. And just to show you my grandkids, Alex's kids mentality, Corbin, who we mentioned, he's the oldest. He just turned eight. He's very competitive and, you know, he loves to, he loves to, you know, he loves money and to, to find it and get it. And so he is already like giving me his whole play, but he comes in, he's real serious. You know, he's in a pap. I'm not going for the kid egg stuff. I'm going for the one that's got the big money in it. Cause apparently <laughs> he, he was under the impression that somebody was going to put a hondo in one oh. of the eggs, you know, or maybe they had done it before. They've done know. it. They've done it in the past. So he, he's got his strategy. He said, I'm going to let the little kids go and get all the you know, stuff that's easy to find. I'm going for the candy eggs. Yeah. Candy eggs. Who cares? I got candy. (laughs) I'm going for the Honda. So he had it all mapped out. What turns out they just put coins this year. There was no big, (laughs) there were no bills. And somebody, Mm -hmm. one of the grandkids put, just put some funny, what they thought was funny fortunes and folded them up and put them in there where Corb gets it and shakes it. Well, he knows it's paper and he's like, jackpot. <laughs> he opens it up and somebody had just given a funny fortune that to him wasn't funny. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, it was like, no money or candy, just this fortune. <laughs> he was hot. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. So, so, so you, but it's funny. And I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but. I seem to remember a younger version of you uh, on your way to Baton Rouge to go to school at LSU saying that the one thing you would never do is move back to West Monroe. You grew up there, <laughs> small town, you know. I just, wanted out. Yeah, I'm out of here. And, you know, I love you guys, but don't count on me ever coming back. <laughs> but you had, so tell tell the story on what changed. Well, I'm blaming that on my husband. <laughs> uh, so after we got married, he got offered a position to work at Duck Commander, and he was super excited about it. Of course, that was big Duck Dynasty time. Things were up and coming, and it was real, real busy at Duck Commander. And and he was happy to kind of sign on and and help. So he was like, okay, well, I guess we're moving. I was like, I guess we're moving back. But by that point, it was like, okay, I know I'm going to have a family because I didn't want kids whenever I was in high school. I was like, nah, no kids for me. I'm doing whatever the heck I want for the rest of my life. You sound like <laughs> another person listening in yeah. today, the fourth generation over there. Well, it, of course, that changes once you marry someone, meet someone you want to be with. So uh, once we knew we were going to have a family, I was like, okay, I would rather live next to someone that's going to help me out and stay down here in Baton Rouge, which his family was in Baton Rouge at the time, which now they're kind of spread off across the country. But uh, Baton Rouge is a tough town to live in anyway. So, uh, yeah, we came back up here. And at the time, y'all were still in the Calhoun house, and there was a spare bedroom. And we did live there for a while. Yeah, a bit before we... For a few months yeah. before you guys bought the big house. And then Jay and Anna moved in with y'all. <laughs> We're just switching out <laughs> <Right>. kids. <laughs> so, so then there was a another housing change, and it was like, well, y'all were like, well, we have a room. Y'all can just come live with us. And I was like, that's too far. That, <laughs> nope. Pump the brakes on that. Love you guys. Yeah. We're not gonna live in the house with you forever. Yeah, you and your mom are both a little bit strong. So we've always <laughs> said Anna's much more compliant. Yeah. <laughs> so she's a little easier to. And what's like, crazy yeah. is it that's changed. Yeah, I mean, me and Anna used to be the ones that butted heads, and now, I mean, me and Alex don't butt heads, but but we're both we're very strong. opinionated. <laughs> yeah, you're strong. You know? Yeah, independent spirit. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. But so I live next door, me. but we have that big fence right between our houses, mm-hmm. which I love. That's yep. it was there was no fence there before, and I was like, we got to put a fence up there. I need got some a fence and a gate. Space. Yeah, and, and, you and know, a hole that. that we can see the kids' heads whenever they want to come over, <laughs> <laughs> or the pets when they want to come in or out. So Alice's cats were in there the other day taunting our dogs, which we thought was really funny. <laughs> She's just sitting up there saying, you can't get me here. And they're just, just trying yeah, to the invisible, invisible Yeah, the invisible fence ended like four or five feet away from my gate. And my cats were just sitting at the gate like, hello. <laughs> you can't do anything to me oh, yeah. just looking at them. So the I guess the positives of kind of our lifestyle, the way it's been. And by the way, Willie... And Corey had pretty much the same thing as what we're doing, because I thought their kids would leave. I mean, they're very independent. Sadie, of course, is our own rock star. But same thing. Once they all started getting married, they decided that. So all their houses are right (laughs) there. Right there. there Uh, there. I think that that is a Robertson trait. The Mm -hmm. clannish compound stick together mentality is like it's not it's not just like a uh, I don't know, an environmental thing. I think it is a trait. Of Robertson's to be clannish and be well, together. Well, I want to say something here about that because I had such a relationship with Granny. And, you know, they were like that. They lived like over in Vivian, you know, Irene, ain't Irene lived here? And then yep. over here was, you know, That's you know, right. the Hales and the uh, other, you know, different ones, last name right. and all that. Right. And they were lit. Like, had their own community. Well, and you were like that to some extent as well, because Ida is about... Such a you small know, town. Like, oh. It's four streets like this. That's right. And so you have a compound, whether you like it or not, if you live in that town. And you also grew up, uh, ironically, with a small business, because Caraway's Grocery, everybody worked It was worked the there. biggest business in town. Yeah, it was, it was the only business in town. <laughs> 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 I, hate, I hate to break it there to was you. the combination post there office. was a service station and a well, there post you go. office there's right. a, well the the post library. office is a combination library post office city hall and police department that's yeah, yeah. all in one building and it's yeah. all about as big as a podcast studio yeah. in there too by the way yeah no it was it was very small but I, I just remember as a kid you know when i would go into the store Everybody was there from the family because oh. they, you know, they had a butcher thing in the back, and so somebody's cutting me. But everybody was an uncle, a cousin, an aunt, you know, grandmother, whatever. So it was this really? It was a lot like what the what our business became. Was well, like. there's a story about this, and Aunt Anne gets so mad about it. That's my sister because when she grew up, her and Ronnie, which was our first cousin, they were almost the same age. So they had to work, work, work in store all the time. Well, the eight years later, when I came along, well, I didn't work. What I did was over there by the heater or there's chairs where people, a lot of older women that were like widows or something, they were so lonely, they came up there. And they just loved to sit and just get one, they'd buy one thing from the store and they would sit. Well, so I got to seeing all that. And so I decided to go over there and tell them stories. I was making them up by the minute. But those ladies laughed. They felt like somebody cared about them. I mean, I just entertained the old people. Yeah. Right. And I've been entertaining old people ever since. Well, now you I entertain the young people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm the flip. old person. <laughs> yeah. Now it's flipped, but just your uh, uh, abuse of the human language is entertaining for all of us. Well, it's real. <laughs> and I think another thing, I reason why I think it's so good to have the compound, the Robertson compound, uh, that we have is because we all cook really good. Yeah. So if you want good food, then you go to Mama's house. You know. Right. And um, so or I think that's another, Yeah, I think that's you know another reason. You know that we all hang out together and we all do things together, <laughs> and we kind of like each other. So I, I agree. Uh, we start talking <laughs> about what we're cooking for dinner at breakfast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Planning the meals. Let's take another break. So Jay's mom just walked into the podcast studio and she didn't recognize you because she said your hair had gotten too long. That's what she or said. Or longer, I guess. You left out one part, though. What's that? She said, you're really good looking with all that hair. <laughs> oh, I didn't even hear that. Well, one of the things that Jace, well, all of us, but especially you, Jace, hasn't had any issues with losing too much of your hair. But there are a lot of people out there that do. Our old uh, friend and longtime sponsor, Keeps, 
what they do is they help you keep your hair. So when it starts to go, that's when you have to reach out to these guys because they can't help you get it back, but they can stop hair loss and improve your hair growth. They've got physicians that help you select the right products, treatments uh, for their for your hair goals and specific conditions that you may have. Everything's about half the cost of a traditional pharmacy. Uh, you've got a full year of unlimited messaging, so you can check with the doctor about anything, anytime. So check them out. Keeps has you covered. Hair loss stops with Keeps. To get 50% off your first order, go to keeps.com slash door. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash door. So I wanted to talk about food uh, because it's such a, you know, so when Lisa and I, we're, we're seem to be now in this stage of life constantly either trying some new diet or whatever to try to lose weight and mainly for health. But, but anyway, we went to this doctor a few years ago we actually lost a pretty good amount of weight with him. And, um, so it was like a three hour psychology session before we ever got to, here's what we're going to do for the diet. And it was, I felt like I was in, he's, he's not a psychiatrist, but that's what I felt like. He's talking about motivations of food and whether you're really hungry or not. He said, no, you're, you're a pastor, right? And I said, yes, sir. I am. And, and he's a spiritual guy, believer. He said, well, I got two words for it, and you'll appreciate these two words. He said, uh, the first one is repent. He said, do you know what repent means? I said, yeah, I know what it means. He said, well, tell me what I'm familiar. It, yeah, tell me what it means. <laughs> well, it means to change you know, what you're doing and do something different. Exactly. So what you've been doing, has that been working for you and Lisa? Nope. So what do you need to do? I need to repent. All right, so I got this. So I said, all right, I'm on board. You're right. I preach it all the time. He said, the second word is divorce. And I was like, divorce? <laughs> what kind of program is right, this? What is, and I was like, so I was, he could tell I was intrigued, you know. And I said, uh, I said, well, what do you mean by that, Doc? He said, well, you have to divorce your love for food. That's what he told me. And I <laughs> sat there a second. I said, Doc, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm all about a separation of my love for food, but with a hope of reconciliation because (laughs) I'm not divorcing my love of food. It's too ingrained in who I am. So we went back and forth about it, but, but it was interesting, his take on it. And people I know that are just naturally skinny, it may not be just their metabolism, but a lot of most of them, they don't love food. Right. It's fuel. It's like, I don't care what we eat. I got to eat a certain time. 12 o'clock time to eat. Exactly. I got to get the fuel in and I got to go. But I want y'all to describe from the women's perspective, and mom, we'll start with you because, you know, it started with you. Actually, it started even before that. It's when with the Robertsons, especially, I guess. But well, our about, nanny, when yeah, I grew tell up. Yeah, about that. Yeah, when I grew up, my grandmother, I stayed with her half my life till I left. And uh, <clears throat> all I did was when I was little, I watched her cook. I was always in the in the kitchen with her. And I was looking at cookbooks the whole time. And she was over there. And I remember I said, I said, Nanny, you're rattling. And what it was was all the pans. I don't know. She didn't have the right lid on them. But, the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, there was always going like that. And she was always cooking, <clears throat> rolling out the dough, making those homemade pies. She made a lot of sweet potato pies. Egg custard, chocolate, every kind. She was the one that your egg custard pie was hers. What? Those are all my three favorite pies that you make. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, it was just in me. I mean, I guess you could say we did love food, but it wasn't just the food. She had a, uh, we always ate in a regular kitchen if it wasn't a lot of people. But then she had the big, pretty dining room, beautiful. And big living room. And so if it's any kind of occasion, we got to eat in that. And I was so excited. I remember as a little girl, I would, you know, we'd have special little, you know, she'd had crystal or and all that kind of nice dishes and everything. And I remember for special occasions, I would go in there as a little girl and the table was all set and everything. And I just sat at the table with nobody, just nobody. And I just loved it. I just love thinking about it. We're going to eat the turkey or what big roast or whatever she had cooked. And it was just important to me. And I loved it. I love the food, but I love the company. I love that we sat there and talked and laughed and, you know. So it's funny because they owned a store, you know, they own the grocery store. 
but you'd think like my our kids now grandkids i mean it's just candy all the time and all this but she would only let me get when i'd stay with her in the summers my memory's little bitty i mean i was you know like pearl's age and i could only get one thing of candy at the store we'd go down the wow. store i get one thing that was it and then but she would buy a can of eagle brand milk and she would op- open it up, put it in the fridge. So every <laughs> night after supper, I got to get one spoonful <laughs> of that Eagle Brown milk. But I just, I grew up loving that. You know what I mean? Like those are some of my earliest memories. <laughs> and they are connected to food, which is why I will not consider divorce. Let's we see. Just, and I that's just have why to have we, a lot of separation. And that's also why we never use anything other than Eagle Brand milk. It. That's I mean, it. that's the Everybody only one. In business, I'm going to cry. It's going to be bad. <laughs> so, so, babe, tell about how is coming into our family different from how you grew up because food wasn't a necessary love for it because your dad was like he only ate like four things yeah as i recall my dad was a meat and potatoes man <laughs> didn't matter if it was uh boiled potatoes mashed potatoes or fried potatoes baked potatoes you're it, starting to sound like Bubba Gump. Yeah. He had to have a potato. Tater you know? tots, uh, yeah. hash brown. He didn't like he didn't like any of that. It had to be, you know. But um so that or chicken, um, you know, steak, something like that. But growing up, my mom and I kinda did this even with our own kids, um, I didn't she didn't allow me in the kitchen because she wanted it done a certain way. And and she didn't want to, you know, she would work all day. She didn't want to take the time to teach. You know, to teach me what she was doing. So I never learned anything from her. Same thing with housework. I mean, I cannot stand to iron to this day because my mother, it had to be done a certain way. And I'm just like, then you do it. If it needs to be done a certain way, you do it. And so, you know, I kind of pulled that trait in whenever we were raising our kids. Um, but so she didn't love food. My mom did not love food. She ate it, you know, strictly because she knew she needed to. She Kinda also like, worked at a grocery store though, right? She was around exactly food right. all day long. Well, she was around, she was a meat wrapper. So she was around meat all day. So she said by the time she got home, all she wanted was, was vegetables because you're handling that meat yeah, all day. Sick of it. Yeah. So she's sick of it. Um, but um, so whenever I came into the Robertson family, I knew nothing. I didn't even know how to boil water, you know. And um, luckily, we lived next door to mom and dad. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> and right. And you were you were not the only daughter-in-law that didn't know. I mean, yeah, we had some more there. Yeah, that didn't know anything. And there may be one so, that still that doesn't still know. doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, we won't say who she is. We already did the other day, didn't <laughs> oh, okay, we? Yeah. We were talking with Sadie. We were talking yeah. about that. Um. But, um, you know, whenever I came into the family, I I learned how to cook a certain amount of things. Well, I mean, it's crazy now because one of those was, you know, tuna fish sandwiches and french fries. So that was a meal. And fresh fresh french fries. Yeah, Yeah, not frozen. Yeah, not frozen. And then I learned how to do hamburger helper. Because we were poor. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and um, cheeseburger, hamburger cheeseburger helper, I think. helper. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, heck, it's good by itself. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, then I would learn, then I learned how to cook eggs. And I mean, you know, I'm serious. I mean, very, not things that you would consider to be a meal, you know. Yeah, we're just going to have eggs and bacon and that's it, you know. Right. Well, you could cook good eggs. Yeah, she's she's the best at it now. But now the one thing that I didn't learn from Kay, and and it was probably because I didn't have the patience, um, is is the pie making ability. Yeah, the pie crust and all. This. I didn't learn how to do the pie crust. I didn't learn how to do the biscuits. Um, although I, you know, she's taught BK. I could learn that from BK. Um, I also didn't learn how to do her dumplings. No. And so whenever. I cook biscuits. It's wop biscuits. You know, you take them things and wop it wop on there. It on the table. Yep, yep. But I have learned how to do that well, you know, and I do it like cake, kind of put the butter in there, you know. Um, and then, um, you know, I buy my dumplings. I don't I don't make them. Um, we kind of fell into that first. Uh, let's take another break.
we kind of fell into that first generation of working, both of us working yeah. all the time. And it does change a little bit about yeah. that because mm-hmm. you you were working with a company at home. And so, you know, what you did, you couldn't necessarily always easily pass on. What's interesting is, is now it seems to come full circle because Alex, who has had to work, but she's worked in food business, yeah, is now doing a lot of those things that you never did, which is right. kind of interesting you know, third generation, you're making your own pack crust. You're doing some of the stuff. Well, that... I went to pastry school. So. And you yeah. did that. That helped. <clears throat> uh, I've been a professional pastry chef by degree for about 10 years now. So she makes, liter- which means she makes all the birthday cakes for the family, mm-hmm. the pedophores. I mean, the... literally my profession. Yeah. Um, See, I never could do that. Right. Never. Yeah. Because so, you just did those it cakes and beautiful right. stuff. Mine tasted good, but it looked like <laughs> yeah. an earthquake, earthquake <clears throat> cake. Um, but I I came into that the same way as mom a little bit later in life because um, everyone around me, including you, dad, you're a good baker. I remember yes. many things you baked growing okay. up. Um, and so everyone around me cooked, and everyone was really good at it. So it's like, why am I going to cook? They're cooking all these things that's better than what I could make. <laughs> so I never did it. So I went to college, and I had never made a grilled cheese. I was like, how do you make a grilled cheese sandwich? <laughs> so I burned a, I burned several <laughs> before I figured out how it's done. But then started working in restaurants, and then came to, I mean, I love cake. That's what I say. I became a pastry chef because I love cake. And if I'm a pastry chef, I'll just eat cake. I'll just make cake and then eat the cake. That's what I want to do with my life. Um, so went to pastry school. And then, of course, we had our business together, Miss K's Sweet Which, again, eats. so the name of our operating LLC was Third Generation of Washtenaw Parish. And it was really fun for all of us because uh-huh. Mom and I and Lisa went in you know, this business together. And then you wind up, you know, running it for us. And along with John Gimber, our our cousin. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a great family thing for us. It was, it was sad when we had to close. It was mainly just because one of our employees, but two, just because it's something we all shared together, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. having a business that centered around food and it, it, the, our restaurant here in town was an old building in downtown West Monroe. It reminded me of Caraway's. It's old. I, it was old. It was same era, 1920s. It was, it was the first gas station in West Monroe, West Monroe in 1918. Exactly. So it was really cool. It was just a lot of nostalgia there. And so, you know, some things don't last forever, obviously, especially with business, but the experience of it, I'll always take with me and getting to do it with, with Alex. And have our parties, like birthday parties there. <laughs> oh, I miss, and, that's what I miss oh, the most. Yeah. Yeah. It was place. our spot yeah. to hang out as Cause, well as Because we weren't work, open at so. night, so if we had a party or something, we would We had a lot of them. Uh-huh. Well, so, and it's funny, I'll add one more thing here before we go on. Uh, what what Memo K was saying about she would read cookbooks while her grandmother cooked, every time... We go down for Christmas or whatever. Whenever I go to Kay and Phil's house, and I call them Kay and Phil sometimes because Memo Kay and Papa Phil gets a little bit laborious yeah. for the time. But <laughs> you can call go me to, anything. Go to Alex. Kay and Phil's house, and what do we do? I'll go look through your immense cookbook collection and pick one, and then you and me will sit on the couch and say, oh, we got to make that. Oh, look at that. That looks so good. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do is we look through cookbooks. Usually I end up taking it home. <laughs> yeah. She <laughs> borrows. Which, is, which she, is fun. She won't miss it. So I'm going to shift did, gears. You didn't and, send uh, that down to... You, she didn't send that down to um, Anna, though. No, she didn't get. She Although didn't Anna, get the cooking. Anna has a few things she, she does. She has with. something very she good does. Baker. She's a specialist. She does very well. Probably yeah. about five or six. The, her yeah. uh, her sweet potato. Ooh, her sweet potato casserole, casserole for for all the the holiday events is fantastic. And she's got to wear cakes. You know, she does yeah. some cakes. And mm-hmm. yeah. Most she of it just box cakes. But I mean, she she really does a good job. Kind of takes to after, cook for people. Kind of takes after me, and yeah. she and she's so generous. Oh yeah, she loves to take people right cookies or. Mm-hmm. I went over there a few nights ago, and she had like ten of them. That yeah. she, she'd been baking all day. I was like, what is this for? She's like, well, I'm going to bring one to her teacher. And I'm going to bring one to Miss Ann down in the neighborhood. And I'm like, all right, you just spend a whole day <laughs> making cakes to mm-hmm. give away for she, free. She loves doing it. I'm like, so, you can charge for that, you know. So I want to talk about, I talk about the book because I, I, I should have anticipated that when I was outnumbered, we would be struggling just to get our podcast in here. We're almost yeah. done. Uh, but uh, Sister Roar. 
uh, releases this week, uh, Tuesday, April 19th, uh, just in time for a great Mother's Day gift. So if you're wanting something to buy for your mom or your wife, uh, who, who may be the mother of your children. Or your sister. Or your sister. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. It's but a, great... a lot of men cook, too. That's true. They do. And a lot of men read, believe it or not. I know. So they could read this book. Uh, a couple of things I want to say before we get into it. So we're going to have a Talk Shop Live promo for Sister Roar. It's going to be on Monday night, April 25th at 7 p.m. Central Time. And we've done, you know, Talk Shop Lives before. They're they're really good because you're discussing the book. We're having fun, you know, while we're doing it. Signed copies are going to be available to purchase, of course. Uh, also, there'll be some giveaways. And if you miss it, uh, you can tune in anytime after it airs on TalkShop.Live. So check that out uh, Monday night, April 25th. Um, well, Kay and I always, well, I always wanted to do a book with Kay. I'm not sure she always wanted to do I one with did. me. I <laughs> did. But, um, you know, I always thought it would be something about grandchildren or something like that. But um, we both do women's ministry. We just, we do it differently. Um, right. Kay has, uh, you know, groups all week that she meets with and, you know, talks to people on the phone all the time. I do mine a lot by email. Um I do some one-on-one, you know, of course, here, but then also where we live. Um, and we just think that it's very important, the um, female relationships, um, woman-to-woman relationship, because, you know, at any point when you're struggling with something, you feel as though, and, and the evil one will tell you, you're the only one that's got that problem. Nobody else has got that problem. But there are always people that have been through exactly the same thing. So we need sisterhood. We need people to encourage us Mm -hmm. and walk through those struggles with us. But also we need, you know, the older women teaching younger women how to be wives, how to be moms, um, you know, how to, how to do this crazy thing called life. Once you cook a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. How to cook (laughs) a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, And so, that's what we wanted to talk about in our book is um, you need community. You need sisters in your life and um, you need to be able to share those really important things and, and allow God, you know, to heal you. Um, yesterday I was talking to a girl and she said, um, cause I told her, I said, you need to, you know, confess your sins. And she said, um, you know, just since we've been talking, I feel like a burden has been lifted. And I said, well, and and she said, a guy told me, and it was Chad. She said, Chad told her, you confess your sins to God to be forgiven. You confess your sins one to another to be healed. That's right. And so I thought that's excellent because she already felt better just since she and I had talked. So I just think it's... um, we think that Kay and I both think it's very important to have those relationships, to have the um, small group relationships with women um, in order to encourage and build one another up. So uh, let's take a break. Um, what was your experience like, Mom? Well, I was just fixing to tell you what this brings back to me because I've worked with women for what? 30 years, I don't know, a lot, a long time. It's longer. And much longer. 550. I'm telling my life how old I am, the world. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it was just so easy to me to have small groups of women, and we just do a little lesson, and then you always wind up confessing something or telling, can somebody help me know how to deal with one of my children or my husband or, you know, they just... And everybody would, you know, tell, well, I've had that problem, too, and all that. It was just so good. And they would love me and love each other. And I I just couldn't stop doing that. So it went on for so many years. And now I'm older. But I look back on that. And one night, this is so funny. Alan won't remember, but they they were boys, probably teenagers. And Jason woke me up at 2 in the morning. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, the phone was ringing, and we couldn't hear it in our room. And he said, and you got to go talk to that lady. She's crying, and she needs you. And so I'm trying to just open my eyes, you know, and, and Jason said, you got to hurry. you got to hurry right now. She needs you right now. 
So I got up and talked for probably an hour and a half to a girl to talk her through her problems. Mm -hmm. And then so my kids learned early, if somebody calls from mom, they might be in real deep distress. So look, we got to get her. Yeah. So I didn't really grow up most of because you guys weren't Christians for, you know, the first half of or actually most of my growing up years. But then once I was a teenager and then mostly as a young adult and when Lisa and I got married, our compound, so to speak, was always full of community groups. I mean, constantly, you know. That's right. And so, and so that became part of my raising. Now, Alice, for you, it was the same thing because we were in ministry. Without picking up the hitchhikers on the side yeah. of the Yeah, it was a little safer, to, maybe. Bring them home to feed them. Our community was Thank a little you. more thought out. But mom had boys. We had girls. We thought about that. One. So what was it like in growing up in, in a house of community? Because the first house you probably remember had memories of literally was a house built, not built, but rented for ministry. I mean, mm-hmm. it had multiple bedrooms. We had college kids mm-hmm. living with us. You know, you got and it's we, still there in the parking lot of a church now. It is. It is just kind of grown around it. Uh-huh. Uh, so what was your experience like with that, with the idea of, of community and, and all that, just kind of growing up and seeing it? Um, it, it seemed normal. I mean, that's the way it was. Right. I think we had, <clears throat> excuse me, we had, Willie living with us at one point. We had our cousin Melissa living with us at some point. We had Kevin McIntosh live mm-hmm. us, living with us at some point. And um, it was just that, oh, they're going to be staying here for a while. I mean, it was totally normal. Bible and studies, late night. Late run, night and. Run to the building, get baptized. Always mm-hmm. pizza, you know, late night yep. pizza runs. And, and that BJ's pizza was right, right there. And, the oh, and that was some good pizza, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, just, I wasn't mad at it. <laughs> uh and then, you know, going out to camp all the time, Camp Chioka, mm-hmm. um, and church volleyball leagues, and pretty much every time the doors at the church were open, right. we were there. And so now I'm married to someone who grew up Catholic, and it's like, yeah, they're doing that thing at the church. Are we going? Like, it's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, but they're doing the thing at the church. Are we going? And it's like, but it's Thursday. And <laughs> yeah. Why don't we go to church on yeah. Thursday? So I'm not saying something bad about him, but no. you know, it's just the way he grew up. The way yeah. he grew up is right. that was, it wasn't your lifestyle. It was just kind of a thing that you did. And you know, whether there's a lot of very devout and good Catholic people, Absolutely. of course, but um, it was just, it wasn't a lifestyle for him like it was for us. And we had house church in our in our home every Sunday. I always thought that was really fun. Yeah. And um, I'm a pretty social person. I love having people over and I love people having, you know, having them at my house and, um, you know, having friends and conversing. My husband is, uh, he's more introverted. So yeah. it's more of a struggle for him. But now I've found that we are the hangout spot for all the neighborhood kids like Corbin. So my son Corbin is eight. And then there's a bunch of other eight-year-old kids in our neighborhood and they're always at my house and they're just coming in and i'm like yeah just get get just not y'all get outside i'm locking the door y'all go play outside (laughs) and so it's actually kind of nice to have that house where people are coming and hanging out and Mm -hmm. you know i get to see other people's kids and i don't know what their home life is like but when you come here you know we'll i'll feed you and you know we'll play uno or we play baseball out in the yard or go play basketball. I, I still rollerblade. I'm pretty proud of that. Oh yeah. As a 30, she does. She's good. 30 something year old woman. I'm a good rollerblader. <laughs> so we'll go out and rollerblade and you know, have fun. So, and then a lot of times it's normal to me to have all that activity in, in your house. And because so like we said earlier, we have the opportunity to have our family at the core of our community. So we do life together. And that means we got teenagers, you know, we got one listening in today with us. So there are issues we have to deal with, stuff happens. And so as a family, we deal with that, both spiritual, physical, emotional. But we realize a lot of people, you aren't close to family. So that's why you need forever family. I think that's really kind of one of the core themes of the book. Uh, yeah. which is a big part of it. So uh, we want to encourage you to, uh, to to get a copy of the book. I think it'll be a blessing to you. And it's really fun because, you know, Dad's written several books, but you guys wrote Women of Duck Commander together with all the daughter-in-laws. But I've just enjoyed watching y'all kind of go through the process together, not only of coming up with the content for the book, but then also 
working together to promote it and doing media right. together. I mean, it's just, it's really, you know, a lot of times that seems like a lot of work for people, but to me, it, it's a bonding mm-hmm. that happens as well. It and is. I love going through it with everybody. So you can, you can get it on amazon.com or all the places you do. If you buy the book, I always encourage you to uh, be sure and review it because that helps other people wonder whether they're going to buy it or not. So yeah. whether you like it or don't, just you can be honest, uh, but I think you're going to love it. Uh, and I do want to mention Amy uh, McConnell, who uh, who has uh, contributed and helped us help you guys put it together. Uh, I thought she and also uh, Beth Clark, who worked a little bit on the initial part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, she's written some other books with us. But, you know, yeah. writers are so unappreciated in this process. Their gift for being able to take your stories and put them together. Also, Phyllis, uh, part of her story yeah. is in this book, which is really powerful. It had, nothing's been written down. We've talked about it, obviously, a lot on the, on the podcast. But that was an opportunity to introduce, you know, from her perspective, what it was like to come into our family and, and, and now a new community. Yeah. Which has been she did part of the audiobook as well, so yeah. you get to hear her tell it her voice in her yeah. own voice. In her voice, yeah. So, and you know, whenever you're a writer, you can, I mean, whenever you're the author, you can choose to have the, the writer's name on the front of your book or you can put it inside the book. But to me, I feel like I need to honor them by yeah. putting that on the outside right. of the book because she did an excellent job, yeah, you know, with this book. And I mean, she dedicated, you know, three months of her life yeah. to doing this. Well, y'all and, have the gift of the experience and the gift of telling stories and a lot of gifts, but but she has a gift of writing. Right. And so she can take that and put it into something beautiful. Um, we got to go. We're going to go to overtime because uh, I want to ask you guys about the title, which we didn't have time to do that here. So we're going to do that, talk about Sister Roar, why it is a roar. We'll do that in the overtime, which, by the way, it's uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed to, sus- to subscribe to get uh, the Unashamed Overtime, So, and, as well as everything else on their platform. So I want to encourage you to do that. One mention before I go, I'm going to be in Ashland, Ohio on Thursday, May the 5th, 6.30 in the morning. It's a uh, community prayer breakfast, which is also the National Day of Prayer. So check that out in Ashland if you want to, to hear that. And uh, thank you all so much for being here today on Unashamed. Those of you that follow on uh, on Blaze TV, come on over and we're going to talk a little bit more. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.